Welcome to Voices of the Valleys, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you today by Nova Home, helping growers grow with heart and soil. Find out more at novihum.com. Now, here's your Voices of the Valleys host, Director of Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology, Dennis Donahue. Good morning and welcome to uh, Voices of the Valleys. I'm, uh, this is uh, Dennis Donahue. I head up Western Growers Innovation Center over in Salinas and I'm uh, the host of Voices of the Valley and I'm pleased to be joined by uh, one of our favorite entrepreneurs, Charles McGregor, who heads up the uh, uh, GeoVisuals uh, Business Unit Manager and uh, he's, he happens to be with us today from Colorado. Charles, welcome. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks for having me. My, my pleasure. I was, I was looking forward to our our visit because what you do, and I'm gonna, I want you to talk a little bit about sure. that, uh, is I, I think a subject uh, that every often talk about a lot of interest and uh, and sometimes from a marketplace standpoint not not completely understood. So talk a little bit about geovisual and what you do. Sure, and we'll we'll attempt to not uh, have too much hype over drones and things like that. But geovisual analytics is really an analytics firm focused on yield forecasting for specialty crops. So we're working with the growers out in Salinas and California in general. And uh, while we don't care especially what it comes from, it could be a drone, a plane, a satellite, we are uh, very, very key on the quality of the data in the first place. And so for us, that's why we started moving into drones because it has the ability to capture the resolution and the accuracy of data that we want. And then we pair that with other things. Well, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the data and the fact you're really fundamentally an analytics company, but you know, d- drones tends to get all, you know, that's the sizzle and that's what everybody sees. And, so a lot of times when people think of ag tech, they, they think of sensors and they think of drones, but drones really aren't the product per se. Right. And, and I'm not sure everybody understands I, that. And I think I think it's maybe which direction you want to approach the problem. Right. So I think the first thing you need to start with is what do the growers need, right? What is the problem they're trying to solve? What's right. the information they don't have? And then you work backwards from there. You say, okay, what sensor can capture that? What drone can you put that sensor on? Or do you have to put that sensor on a plane? And what's the most cost-effective way to deliver over that information and if you get infatuated with the idea we're a drone company we're a plane company it limits the ability to address okay, certain okay. problems so what what uh, have been your challenges along the way Cer- certainly knowing people want as much information as possible but I, I you know I know there have been a lot of challenges on What's the right business model to, to capture and provide this type of information? Right. I think, you know, one of our first challenges was when we started with planes and we were capturing the entire Salinas Valley. And so we were flying, you know, 115,000 acres and we flew 13 weeks in a row, captured as many crops as we could. Uh, but in some ways for this particular industry, unlike commodity crops, planes aren't as cost effective in some ways, especially if you really want high resolution data because the fields are so dispersed. They're 10, 20, 30 acre plots, not a thousand acre cornfield. So just out of curiosity, did someone ask you to fly that many acres or you just decided to do that <laughs> we, for market research? Uh, we decided to do it for market research for data capture. We wanted okay, a big okay. base of data to start working off of. Um, and we also wanted to see what was the, how far could we push the technology? How far could we push uh, plane capture and imagery? Um, and, and that's kind of what we, where we started with. I would say that we learned very quickly that you have to pair uh you know what you want to capture and the interesting technology with being cost effective right that's an expensive there's a lot of acres in there and your cost per acre is really well really good but your cost per acre of 
crop that you care about is very bad because you have acres of roads and all sorts of things. And, and that's and that's been a challenge throughout California, whether you're a permanent crop in the Central Valley or or a, you know or a leafy green item and. Uh, on the central coast or, or down in the desert, hasn't it? Absolutely, and I think you know we also had an interesting challenge where you know up in the coast in Salinas you get the marine layer and you know the planes can't fly and then you miss this crop cycle that you need to miss and so what we found is that the the right combination is knowing when does the trade off happen between drones and planes and being able to make that on a weekly basis saying okay here's the configuration of fields that I have to fly because they're in the ground right now and these fields that are up in the marine layer I'm capturing with the drone these fields that are all right next to each other maybe I captured the plane um, maybe it's a fixed wing drone versus a rotary drone right which has very different applications um, and so that's what we spend our time doing selecting sensors and figuring out which drones work best in different configurations and figuring out at what scale of customers and penetration do we have to have to um, eventually move to a plane? So as you've proceeded along the way, because uh, I know we've uh, enjoyed working with you for, for, for a couple years now, and I know you've been working with uh, uh, some, uh, some major, major, major players, um, you know, when you're in the startup phase and you're um, building your funding, part of that is obviously to get the R&D, mm. and, and then I kind of want to shift to talking a little bit about uh, you know the, the quality of resolution you need mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. be effective are, are are you sensing because I think this is something that uh, the growers typically want to know uh, they understand the technology is new they understand mm-hmm. there's a, a, a development cycle does it seem to be on track to the economics lining up I think so and I you know it's a term that you use quite a bit here and we've talked about before which is this sort of co-development I think a lot of tech companies want to build something up in Silicon Valley or back in Colorado or over in New York and then you know kind of show up here for a week and say do you like it and they say I, I don't know it's the first time I've ever seen it versus saying I'm going to sit here have boots on the ground be in your offices I'm going to develop something with you that way that when you get to the end of the development it's not a question of it doesn't provide value to the grower because they helped you build it all, all along the way and I think that's a big difference and saves quite a bit of money on all ends. What, what's been your experience? You know, let's take that phrase co-development. Are, are growers basically, uh, in, does that seem like a new process for them in terms of, or, or is that just typical for I, ver- various types of equipment a grower might, might purchase anyway? You, I think they seem fairly comfortable with it when they, because they work with, you know, variety and seed manufacturers to pick something. They okay. work with, you know, hardware equipment manufacturers. It's just new and software. And so there is some language you have to figure out in between because they're not as familiar with software. And so you have to work with, uh, you know, how you present it. And of course you have to learn their language too. Okay. But I think they're very happy if they're willing to open their doors, at least every grower we've been lucky enough to work with is willing to open their doors and teach us everything we didn't know about farming okay. and, and have us come in as long as you know we don't take all their time when it's raining or something like <laughs> yeah. that well so with what you said earlier in mind uh, that uh, you know your 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 goal is to provide the information the resolution and the analytics growers need what's uh, what's uh, uh, is the right question what's what's the standard uh, you know, where, where, what, type, what type of information do you sense they're looking for? 
Well, so for us, and I think this is pretty common for a lot of companies that are using remote sensing of any kind, or even just sensor companies, um, you know, you see the growers that, that are, you know, looking at health and, and disease detection. But I think the most important one, the one that we kind of centered in is yield forecasting. You know, where am I? How much is coming? When is it coming? Uh, which which skews does it go into? And I am I able to hit my contracts? What's the weather doing to my planting cycle? Right. And so that's what we focused on was... You know, can we help accurately project skew forecasting for various commodity, you know, vegetable crops, and um, and al- and also, you know, potentially for things like what you know, weight and bag salads and things like that. So that's what we really focused on, and it's probably because that's what their variability. That's why they're planting overplanting by let's say thirty percent in spinach is because that's the variability that they're getting, and they have to overplant by that amount so they can make sure they hit their contracts. So we figure that if we can help uh, increase the accuracy of forecasting, they can decrease that variability in planting. Is there, uh, what, what's your perception on, you know, this accuracy of forecasting? Is, is that across the board or is it, is it a couple of crops in general? You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you know, I, I think, uh, you, you know, kind of a silly way. You know, a lot of times when I when you when you first enter the market, I'm I'm sure you ran into no 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 I got a I got a harvest person who takes care of it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I pay for. They walk the deal and yeah. I got, and I got it, but not really. Well, and, and I think what we always try to say is, you know, we are by no means getting rid of the harvest person. So I'm going to harvest forecaster. We are no means interested in that. The, what we want to do is be another tool in that person's tool belt to give better information to sales, better information to production. And so, yeah, there are some crops that are, I think, easier to do than others in the sense that um, something like romaine or celery, where you basically mow the whole thing when you harvest, you know, it doesn't have that variability by skew that broccoli or head lettuce or cauliflower might have because you can't see what's going on in every place. Um, But for us, you know, actually some of our best users and some of our people that are most excited are harvest forecasters that are seeing, oh, I don't have to walk as much as I I did. Now I can focus on making sure that we're really giving the product that we want to Costco and Walmart. The quality is better because I'm spending more time focused on harvest logistics, planning out my crews, and looking and checking quality versus trying to, let's say, count a field that's six weeks away from harvest. Right. Right. So bottom line is everybody's pressed for time, so this this frees up some time so they can do other things better. So it's a, right. it's a, it's a productivity quality enhancement. And the way that we pose it to everybody we work with is, is it's not about how accurate are we versus how accurate your forecaster is. It's about how accurate is your forecaster with our technology versus how accurate is your forecaster without our technology, right. which I think is much, much different. We don't intend to uh, replace anybody and I don't think we could. There are things that you can only really know if you're out there touching and feeling the the, the crop. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think there's a perception sometimes that technology, uh, whatever opportunity it presents is, you know, there may be a cost offset on the other other Mm -hmm. side to, uh, um, you you know, to absorb the cost cost of the technology and uh, um, and you know, if you're getting increased productivity, better use of time, and people can be more efficient, you know, conceptually that that pays for itself. But you know, I've got to imagine that a, a little bit of uh, uh, the challenge you, you face in oh, terms absolutely. of getting people to adopt. You, you know, this is an industry where they've been focused on input costs forever and, yeah. and collapsing input costs, and that's. That's one way, and so if you're coming in as a technology company adding another input cost that wasn't a line item for the last 10 years, 
there, you do have to do your work to prove out that it provides value and that. I think that's the work that's relying on the tech company while working with the grower to understand their business, but yeah. it, it's the job of the tech company to prove that out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for me, I guess the way I look at it too is it's also a retention thing for some of the younger people that are coming in to work in the ag space. They don't want to do the business the same way, and so they're quickly rotating out if they don't get something exciting in their hands. And so I look at some of these new technology plays as a way to retain top talent for these growers because they're excited to you know participate in kind of the next revolution. Sure, sure. Well, one of the other things that I'm kind of, and we touched on it a, a little bit and one of the things I've, I've, I've always been impressed by uh, how you all have approached uh, the opportunities out here is a lot a lot of the people who are in the same business you know talk about a Midwest or a Broadacre model mm. and you know they they like wheat fields the size of <laughs> you know the state of state of Kansas because because that's easier and the economics pencil faster and you know I would have to think you've got a uh, a bit of an advantage in the sense that you've you've focused on specialty crops and you know trying to master those challenging economics from from day one. Is it your sense that's going to serve you well over time? I, I think so, and I think that you have to build diff- a different business if you're going into commodity crops. I think in anything, whether you're selling inputs or doing automation, or if you're doing data analysis like us, I think it's just a different industry in so many ways, whether it be the subsidies or the acreage, or even the complexity of the organizations, right? If I build a piece of software for commodity crops, I'm building it for one, two, or three people that are a family farm, and it's you know just three people running that whole farm. If I'm here working with these breeders, it's it's 600 employees, 1,000 employees. It's a large organization. It's a different tact. I do think that we focused on it and we continue to be focused on it. We don't have large Silicon Valley VCs that are our investors, and so we don't get naturally pushed to the the millions of acres of commodity crops. Uh, we're, We're happy to work with these growers. We enjoy working with them, and we probably will maintain focus here in this area for the next couple of years good well and talk and talk a little bit as we as we kind of wrap up and, and to the degree you can I understand some of these things are uh, proprietary and I'm not, <laughs> you know, this is not a spill your guts question but talk a little bit about so we've talked about analytics we've talked about drones but you know what's some of the what's some of the science behind all this you know whether it's AI algorithms. Sure. So what's what's going on with all? Yes. Yeah, so we use a combination of machine vision and machine learning, and that's a word that's buzzwords thrown out in every single tech company. Right. We're lucky enough that our CTO Bernie Johnson has a PhD in mathematics, three patents in machine learning, and helped invent Cortana at Microsoft. So if he says he's using machine learning, he is. What I really appreciate about him is that he mixes the technology when it's necessary. So there's some problems, just like when you hear people throw out blockchain. It works for some problems, it doesn't work for others. Same right. thing's true of machine, uh, machine learning. Sometimes there are certain problems like plant population that are just as easily solved using machine vision. So simply looking at the images versus using a machine learning where you're taking in lots and lots of inputs. So uh, we use a mix of statistical regression, which, right, machine learning and machine vision to address the problem. And okay. I think the first thing that it always starts with is having the grower say, here's what I'm trying to solve. And then you go and look at the PhDs to say, okay, how would you solve that? Right, right. And then you go from there and say, what data do I need to capture? And then you say, do I want to put it on a drone or a plane? Right. Not the other way around. I have a drone or a plane. So, and so how, do, how does this all work? Where is the drone or the plane? And you know, how, do you, how do you set up shop? Uh, who's, op- who's operating sure. the equipment? Is you, you know, Are you selling uh, analytics and 
training and the grower has to have their own operator? What, what's involved in all that? So we're still in the process of developing how we exactly want to do it. Right now with all our current uh, contracts, we have our own pilots, our own drones, our own sensors. And so the idea is that you come and contract for the analytics you want and we're a full service shop. So the idea is that you contract and you shouldn't worry about when it's going to get flown or how it's going to get flown. It just happens. Um, there's enough things that are on the grower's plates already. I don't know if they want to institute a whole new drone division in their right, organization. Right, right. Um, and so we go and we look at, we take all their planting data, we take their field boundaries, and then we plan out, and then they get their analytics on an enterprise dashboard that's on the web and or on a mobile phone, and they start making decisions. And then what we really spend time doing as an organization is sending people out there to work with them so that the software looks the way they want, they know how to use it, uh, and that they're getting valuable insights out of it. I think that that's one of the jobs of tech companies to come in and say, we've built this, but we're going to work with you to use it in a way that gives you the returns you want. You know, it, it would seem like you're really on the, the cutting edge. You know, we, we, we chat a lot. I think you and I have had the conversation, and, and certainly others, you know, this idea of, on the farm, there's going to be a need for a new kind of worker, combining mm, skills, absolutely. ag familiarity, and uh, tech, tech savvy. Uh, what what's uh, what are what are the skills or the backgrounds of um, um, you know maybe working for you? You may look more for from the engineering standpoint, but if you're the if the grower, what's what's the grower thinking in terms of the type you know the skills that they need to add to uh, their organizational skill set? Right. Well, I think, you know, familiarity with some of the advances in technology is always important. I think the ability to understand, you know, really the integration of all of these things, whether you have a dashboard or a new automated tractor, those two things are maybe valuable, you know, one and one apart, but together they're maybe worth 10. And so I think it's about someone who can integrate lots of types of technology. And so I think, um, students that are coming out of school that are have a mix of technology background but also an ag understanding being able to do some of the business analysis to say okay i'm going to help you figure out the roi for this new automatic weeder or this new piece of remote sensing or the sensor that i'm putting in to track weather and radiance and i think that takes someone who knows ag knows tech and can also do some of the business uh, analysis, which is a hard person to find. Some of the programs out of Cal Poly have that ag business background. They're teaching classes on precision ag. In fact, we try to recruit those same people. So, so if they're looking for them, I am too. So, okay. Well, well, uh, you know, as uh, Bill Shakespeare used to say, "I there's the rub." Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the the challenges we all face is, uh, you know, finding the the right talent for for the future. And uh, you know, now we've got another big category tech. Uh, that have kind of figured out that uh, you know some of those ag savvy uh, students that are getting graduated. Uh, now, now we're both competing for. Well, them. now they know how valuable they are. So, <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> so yeah. you know, yes, we're aware of that. So, for us, you know, one of the one of the tacks we've taken is that we kind of co-employ somebody with the grower. So the idea is oh, that okay. um, that we come in and we say, look, we're going to share this person. They're going to both know our technology really well, and we're going to act. Uh, through this person and through you as a trusted advisor and not just help you over remote sensing, but if you're trying to evaluate a new weather service or something, we, we should try to help with that. They have enough things on the plate and the idea that all the tech companies are going to come to the same person 
and 15 people in a row are going to start. Right, right. Um, it's stressful to grow. They're, they're growers. Their, their job is not to spend their right. all day evaluating tech companies. You, you, know, you, may have, you may have just hit on a new phrase that we're going to hear more about, <laughs> co-employment. Co-employment. So, yeah, I, and I think we have to. We have to there's a labor shortage. So, um, so, okay. yeah. Well, you know what? You've caught on. Even though you're not from around here, listen, <laughs> I, I think you've caught on pretty good. Well, listen, well, thanks for uh, spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was our pleasure. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valleys podcast, brought to you today by Nova Home, helping growers grow with heart and soil. Find out more at novihum.com. You can listen to this and other episodes of Voices of the Valleys anytime by subscribing to the podcast. Just search Voices of the Valleys in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been Voices of the Valleys.